0: Hey folks, welcome into On Waveland, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We are here to discuss all things Cubs, and uh, that includes the Cubs once again staving off a series sweep, which they've done now four times this year. They have won the finale when they were about to be swept, including three times in June already, which on the one hand is one of those things where it means that things have gone poorly because you can't stave off a sweep unless you lose the series. But I was looking into it this morning and they are the only contender in the national league that has not been swept in a series this year. (laughs) Unless you count a two gamer against Cleveland, which I do not count as like for purposes of a sweep. I feel like that doesn't count. Um, but all the others have been swept, and the Cubs have staved it off. So, I mean, that's, that's not nothing. You know, you'd rather have it that way than lose the opener and then drop the final two, and then you're trying to podcast on a Monday morning all bitter and stuff, whereas I feel cheery. How about you guys?
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe you can say it's, there's some intangible quality there. I, I'm not willing – I'm not ready to say that, but maybe – maybe uh maybe you can if you want to spin that into a positive you can say david Ross gets his guys you know motivated each day they can they can flush those well, bad do losses you remember, and go out and win do you win remember the reverse finale. of that
0: like when the in like 2017 maybe when the they cubs couldn't kept finish not he'd being off. able to finish the week yeah yeah and like it was like the opposite and so like hey if we were going to say that was a thing <laughs> um, in fact and remember it was like sunday games specifically they would a- always lose on Sunday. It was crazy. There was some, I remember it was like a multi-year stretch where they had like a three hundred winning percentage on Sundays. I think if so I'm remembering correctly,
1: never- if I'm remembering correctly, Patrick, you can stop me if I'm wrong on this, but that was part of what we wrote for that <laughs> season preview. Like one of like. They needed to finish off series or like, you know, those getaway days against bad teams. That was one of the focus points like you've beaten. Yeah, them it was twice, like the, like Theo's
2: 10 trap games. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the oh, kind yeah. of, you know, the kind of tension between Joe Madden's kind of big picture philosophy and some of Theo Epstein's frustrations with the clubhouse. Uh, I mean, in retrospect, some of this sounds... I mean, it sounds really silly, like, talking about it out loud. (laughs) But at the time, this is what the players were involved in, what the front office was involved in, what the coaching staff was involved in. And that, you know, maybe the team just wasn't good enough. Or, I mean, you look back at that time, what it was, you, Darvish, was this huge question mark. Like, you know, they're kind of, some of these young hitters just weren't as good as they thought they were going to be. I mean, there's a lot going on there. And maybe it was just kind of, (laughs) instead of just chalking it up as randomness or teams finding their level it seemed like the cubs made it a thing and that's probably why it sticks out uh in your mind
0: it's now it's instead of joe maddens you know two out of 3 ain't bad uh what and he had another term for it meatloaf take two of three meatloaf yeah he called it a meatloaf right because of the course the eponymous song from two out three bad uh whereas this year it's it's one out of three ain't bad right or one <laughs> out of four uh, in the case of the Mets and the Giants series but so anyway that that was the win uh yesterday <clears throat> the Cubs um finally scoring some runs uh not on home runs their first in a week uh which is its own uh issue that harkens back to that same era and period of time we were just talking about and We'll get into that in a moment, um, and uh, I I got to be there for well the two losses anyway, so that was not great because they were what twenty three to two. The Cubs lost those <laughs> games to the Marlins, and it was you know fun to be at Wrigley. It was also very hot and humid. The libations were uh, plentiful. My you know next day was, was not not great. Yes, yesterday Sunday, you know the Cubs won. That's great, but I, I was mostly in recovery mode myself that day, so I don't know that I would have to a getaway day. Too many White Claws, uh, bro? Uh,
2: so you many know, White Claws? True story.
0: I, on Friday night, I was in the bleachers, and some folks who listen to me know Crawley, who's sort of a, you know, he, he's just like an uber fan guy, you know, on Twitter, and I've met him many times, we're very friendly, and some he wasn't at the game, but somehow, so he knew I was in the bleachers, he found a mule- to send me this 24 ounce cup filled to the brim of white cloth in the bleachers, like some random guy just walks up and Rally. He's like, hey, here you go. And i I was already, <clears throat> I was already in a good place at that point. And I was like, Oh, is that water? Thank you. He's like, It's not water. <laughs> so, yes, is the answer to your question. A lot of white, a lot of white cloth. It's amazing. <clears throat> I love weekend. it.
2: That, that's well, why uh, Crowley's, okay. you know, I mean, what other team, what other fan is, like, just known for being a Cubs fan and getting, like, the first question at Cubs convention, you know, back when <laughs> Cubs convention was a thing. Like, the owner of the team and, like, the presidents of the team, like, know who he is, like, because he's standing there up front in the microphone. I mean, shout out to Crowley. I mean, that's why, I mean, that's a genius move right there, just white clawing you and, in the bleachers
0: <laughs> when he's not even there.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it was beautiful.
2: I appreciate it. So shouts to
0: Crawley. I don't know if he listens, but uh, all right. So let's, is there anything that you guys wanted to say about the two losses from that series against the Marlins? I mean, it was, it, you know, it was like a, a really nice summation of the issues from this month. You know, you had starting pitching that was disastrous. You had runs scoring only via the home run. Uh, and then, I mean, heck, that game on Saturday was just... That was sloppy. Oh, Lord. Right. Well, we'll get into... We, why don't we get into part of that actually right now, if you don't mind. So, one of the many issues on Saturday. They had all kinds of drops and stuff. But the Marlins were running wild on the combination of Jake Arietta and Jose Lobaton. Um, the latter of whom, you know, he hasn't been in the big league since 2018. He was always known as a glove first guy. I, like, clearly the Marlins had picked up on that tandem being very, um, uh, the ability to be aggressive against them. We've known that about Jake Arrieta for a long time. And indeed, I was reminded, as I'm sure you guys were too, of the game against the Nationals with Miguel Montero behind the plate when they went nuts on him. And, of course, Miggy responds after the game saying... (laughs) well, you know, it would help if our, pitcher was, if our pitchers were holding them on at all, which it was not at all unclear what he was saying. Uh, and that eventually got him <laughs> bounced from the team. And, and I Ultimate scapegoat yeah, move, too, by the way. Yeah, oh, it, was it was the it next
2: was. morning, so, right? They, when they Jake's DFA'd like, yeah, Mickey's right. I need to be better at that. Like We talked about spring uh, training. Yeah. I, don't do, I don't do it.
1: <laughs> and then the next day they DFA'd him. And then I remember we were in Washington and – and we gathered in, like, a room to, to like, have Theo via conference call, all the, like, beat writers, and Theo explained how, like, you can't... It's very hard for the front office to impact the team in the middle of the season, and this is one of the buttons we can push to impact the team. He, he was saying, like, these, these like, you know, soft factors and things like that can't be impacted during the season by the front office. Most of their impact is done during the off season. so he was trying to do something to rejuvenate the team. I don't, I'm not, did, did that work? What year was that? 17 or 18?
2: Uh, that was 17. Cause I believe that trip, they also made their second white house trip in like five or six. Oh months. yes.
1: That was that trip. Oh, Ooh.
2: that weather. Yeah.
0: DC. And then, uh, yeah, that was awesome Yeah. Well,
2: awkward. you know, when the Cubs executive says, we're not trying to escape any scapegoat anyone, you know, yeah. kind of what they're <laughs> doing. Well, and dances. in fairness, yes, If I remember, can I I chime
0: in from behind the glass here and say that it's after that they seemingly whitewashed Montero's insurance run RBI single in game seven (laughs) from all highlight packages? You never see it. You see Zobrist's double, and then you never see Montero's single that, like, in a way ended up being the winning RBI. Well, okay. See, so that's our producer Michael, and he's completely right. Like everyone, when they remember what happened in game seven. It was Zobers hits the double down the line. Cubs win. You know, that's it when he's right. Strictly speaking, it was a subsequent two out single because remember uh, the Cubs had him what uh, loaded with one out for Jason Hayward and he either struck out or popped out or somehow did not drive in a run. And uh, Miggy hits one oppo through the shift uh, to score what ultimately ended up being now, we could get totally down a wormhole here, Michael, <laughs> on that. Now, strictly speaking, what's considered the winning run is the run when you take the lead and never relinquish it. So, technically, it's still the Zobrist hit was like the one. But you know what the other reason is why you don't see that, the the Miggy thing, that much? It's because his grand slam. I was going to say. That year we still see his grand is, slam. was right. such a big deal. It's like, that's his. But um, yes, he did, we did go through a period of about a year where it was like, oh, Think Miggy might be a bad guy because what did he say? And I don't, I don't actually think that, mind you, but like he said something right after the World Series too, right? That he uh, was
1: uh, he it? was frustrated <laughs> he with Joe remember? and the communication. Yeah, like the okay. the communication between he and Joe, I think, was the issue, and and he he felt slighted in a, in a way about his playing time. I mean that was a difficult situation for Joe I'm sure but I I, I oh, uh,
0: Wilson Contreras had just come up and Wilson
1: Contreras had come up Ross is getting a start every you know fifth day with Lester uh so his playing time was just you know really mitigated there and didn't didn't really get much time but the but the Cubs are going to bring him back cuz they desperately
0: need a uh backup catcher Now um <laughs> so anyway where i was going with all that before that was that was a delightful little uh you know rabbit hole we went down i think um so obviously the marlins ran wild uh jose lobaton is not gonna hit we knew that um but if and again arietta clearly is not great at holding runners on it's got a long slow delivery it's an issue but still that was kind of beyond the pale um are the Cubs going to move on to backup catcher number five? And uh, I do wonder if we'll be tracking this very soon. The Tigers just released Wilson Ramos. I don't know if he's getting over his back issue or not, but <clears throat> I mean, it does feel like the Cubs are in that mode where if anybody becomes available who might be plausible, they're going to have to jump on it because you, uh, Wilson Contreras is already leading catchers and in innings by like a country mile. And that. Plays reasonably well up through June, but you get in the second half and guys wear down and like they cannot do that to him if they want to be competitive. So
1: not only that, there's a there's a year after year impact of this. I mean, part of remember when Miguel Montero was like a great offensive catcher in Arizona. Part of the reason he broke down and was just became like this veteran, good defensive it, every once in a while, provides you some offense type guys because he caught way too much. They leaned on him, and the and this grinds catchers down. We're seeing it right now with Wilson. Wilson's not good at on offense right now. He doesn't. He's he's putting up some pretty non competitive at bats at times uh, of late. And and I and I do wonder. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of it has to do with he's just ground into the like he's being grinded into the ground here with with the playing time issue ross said that, you hey, know can i pause can i ask you a question on that because yeah. i i was writing something this morning and i had that same
0: issue and you just you just went back and forth is it someone is being grinded into the ground uh, gr- ground and, into and the if ground. so R- ground run into, into the, the ground, ground? Isn't that the run, into, run, the run the ground? into the ground i mean maybe just yeah okay all right editor Mooney, that's that's one way <laughs> it's around it but yeah, well, because I was—I think I was talking about Patrick Wisdom's fifteen pitch at bat, and I was like, and he really grinded his way through, or he ground his way through. Yeah,
1: I got really hung up on it. Well, so I, I think know. that one would be grinded. Well, anyways, that would be grinded. I went with grinded, but, apparently. uh, and I mean the the way Ross put it, it doesn't sound like we can count on Austin Romine coming back anytime soon. Not only that, he just he said, I can't, I can't talk about the back end of the season with them i don't know but you know this isn't it's not like they can be patient and and romine will be back by the end of the month or something like that that's not happening uh and and he also made sure to go out of his way to not put down lobaton and compliment wilson like that that was clear that ross wasn't about to rip a guy but i don't think i think saturday kind of showed like he's it wasn't. I mean, you have to be good at something as a catcher, right? You need to be a good framer. You need to be a good, great game caller. You need to just hit the crap out of the ball. Something there's got to be something you can do really well to justify your playing time. Uh, Jose Lobaton didn't seem like he could catch like certain pitches. Like there were there were times when like the ball would just fly by him and it didn't, and it was like that's not a ball that should anyone should be having trouble with. Uh, and and to be fair, like. It, I don't think he's played much in the past couple of years. Right. Like how many games has he played? He's just not like he was at the alternate site with them last year, but that's yeah. And (laughs) like, this is just, I mean, I I think it's just where they are right now with backup catcher, but it's a clear need. You need a competent backup catcher that doesn't like turn into like, okay, backup catcher is, is playing. That means now we have two dead spots in the lineup with the backup catcher and the pitcher and, and he's like, it's basically a giveaway game, right? You can't do that. You just, It's, it's really, it's going to cause issues. They're going to force Ross to want to play Contreras more than he wants to. Uh, this just has a cumulative effect that, that can really hurt the team. It seems like such a minor thing but you just need it's it's not about having a great backup catcher like you want to not notice the backup catcher almost or like you know they randomly like whoa that guy oh Victor Caratini just hit us a game winning home run that's nice uh you know like rand like you don't want them to they don't need to be great they just need to be really competent and and right now they're not getting that and it and it's it's just like one of those little things that that's causing some issues for the team among the many glaring issues that that are staring us in the face
2: i I will give lobotone credit i remember hearing last year and during the uh alternate training site experience and subsequent to that that he made a really good impression on pitchers like alzalay that like they really appreciated his his guidance and his instruction and that cubs officials were very high on that aspect of uh Lopatone's game and his, his personality that will probably serve him well in the future. But obviously it's telling that despite uh all that and the great impression that he made that he was what the fifth guy up, Brad? Is that what it was? Like in terms of the depth chart, he was number five, six? Yeah, he was mm-hmm. the fourth bat fourth backup. The fourth so, backup, okay. Yeah, so fifth. Yeah, I mean I think this is where, you know, we've talked about the trade deadline a lot and that it's not always about trying to get Max Scherzer or Roldis Chapman or whatever that I mean historically the Cubs uh, under Theo would almost always get an extra catcher whether it was Alex Avila or uh, calling up Wilson to be that third catcher like it's a they've what Rene Rivera was a cub for a while I'm trying to think it seemed like they always kind of surfaced a guy like that and I think instead of waiting till the end of July they should probably do it ASAP yeah and we'll see if again like I said Wilson
0: Ramos is essentially a free agent now. And, um, you could look at the Tigers' situation and see, I can see why it played out the way it did beyond maybe that he's just washed. So we'll see what that happens. Also the Orioles, just DFA Chancisco, formerly a, a top prospect who just wasn't hitting this year. And, and again, <clears throat> like the tigers, their circumstances such that they were going to become overloaded with young talented catching. And so be interesting. Um, if the Cubs can, can leap on that because it, like you said, it's, it's really hard to imagine them waiting until end of July to, to address this situation. Um, all right. So on the brighter side from this weekend and, and going back further, um, we just keep getting this reiteration that not only that the Cubs bullpen overall is just highly effective, but <clears throat> I was struck that um, in each of the, games that avoided the sweep. So the 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 win against the Marlins on Sunday and the win against the Mets on Thursday, it was one of those where the Cubs got through six innings or five innings on Sunday with a very small lead, and it was game over. I mean, it's the the way that Ryan Tepera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell have been performing going back all the way to the start of May as a unit. That's kind of when it became clear to David Ross that, Although he had a lot of talented options in his bullpen, those were those were the guys that that he wanted to um, <clears throat> set up there at the end. Because as as much as you want a versatile group in your bullpen and you need to be nimble as a manager, every manager also just loves the idea of having it set up where it's like my starter gives me six, and then boom, 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 I go seven, eight, nine to finish things off. And that trio is currently working on a forty-nine point one scoreless inning streak combined. Just uh, absolute, you know, unbelievable stretch that they've been on. And they they showed it off again. And, you know, I wonder, we've talked about this before, obviously they're going to give up a run at some point. They're going to blow a game at some point. And you'd hope that there's a softness in the reaction to that, given how good they have been. But what I wonder is, um, <clears throat> you know, we head into end of June, into July, and every team is looking for, bullpen upgrades all of them do we still think for the cubs that certainly they're not going to be looking at an impact reliever it would take the confluence of a number of injuries uh needs changing uh on the roster in ways we wouldn't anticipate i really don't don't think they will be in that market for a great setup guy do we still think they're going to be like they are every year looking for bullpen depth even though they have trouble making the 40-man roster work as it is and if not, is there any chance that they look at their own depth and look at needs in the market and say, you know what, maybe we can stay competitive and, and just take advantage of the market situation it is and trade away one of their own short-term relievers just just while they compete and maybe pick up a little piece. I, I think we're into that zone of the year at least where you can start thinking about that, whether you would actually do it or not.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think any of these soft sell Ideas that were fun to bandy about a few weeks ago—it's—they're just really hard to pull off, and 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 for them to make sense. I also think, I mean, I guess i would for me, the way I look at it, I think they need to add depth in every area. Uh, they need the main, you know, piece—the main, a starting pitcher that can eat some innings. But I don't think it would—it would hurt to add to the bullpen. I know, like you said, that the, there may not be room on the forty man or whatever. They'll figure that out. Injuries are going to continue to happen, pop up. Things like that are going to make this, you know, just difficult to get through in general. But I think uh, I always think back to something Theo said. Maybe this is when they got Joe Smith, uh, and nobody really understood Whoa. it, uh, but. Dude, yeah. Keep going. You were about to blow my mind because that yeah. was what started. I started yeah. thinking about the Joe I
2: Smith trade. I literally train. just all looking right, up go. on my baseball on Baseball Reference. <laughs> Joe Smith. Were you? you yeah. were looking at?
1: Yeah. Oh my god! we were all like, "Why is why this doesn't make any sense, right?" But it's a different look, and and I think we, we we'll saw give, this wait. with the Rays. Set, yeah,
0: set that up for people just because they so, may not, they may not have so, immediately gone to the headspace. Yeah. That we so did.
1: I mean, what that that was was that sixteen? Yeah. Yeah. The, was it 16? Yeah, years ago? well it, Cause yeah. he got
0: hurt so I I don't remember him as part of the
1: It may maybe it, it was might have been 16 or 17. Okay, whatever year it was, I think it, it was, was 16. It was definitely
2: 16, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: and and it just okay. didn't make any sense at the time because they had plenty of relievers They traded for Chapman and Montgomery. Uh it just looked like they had enough and and uh I think he was he's a righty, right? So I mean they had strope, they had yeah. Rondone, they had plenty of righties that they liked. Uh, and and Joe Smith wasn't doing well. But I think Joe Smith comes at a different angle, and that was one of the things that Theo said. You want different angles from the bullpen. Give the hitters a different look. Get, get the guy that's, uh, you know, over the... You've probably seen it by now, because the Rays kind of made it famous, I think it was last postseason, maybe two postseasons ago. Uh, but, like, that clock image that people have, and, and you see the arm angles from both the left and right side. That is... That matters. I know maybe... I mean, I think you just need to understand arm slots, different arm slots really impact the hitter. Uh, and seeing that from one inning to the next and changing that with a reliever from a starter to a reliever to a different reliever and getting three different looks in three consecutive innings is really hard for an offense to deal with. So, so. Yeah, I could see them doing something like that. Joe Smith always like that that'll always uh be something that hits me uh, that, that Joe Smith trade because it made no sense uh, and I know Joe Smith didn't do very well, but he definitely was injured and, and he came back and dominated and unfortunately couldn't make that postseason roster, but but that was that that always makes me think there's never a reason to not go get a reliever, even if they're not doing well. And relievers do that all the time. And the Cubs love taking someone that isn't doing well and saying, well, you know what, they're not using this pitch enough or, you know what, uh, we see this, whatever. Right. And and they've had enough success. I mean, look at who who's leading their bullpen right now. I mean, does Ryan Tepera give up hits anymore? Like, I don't really recall any hits that he gives up. I think it's He's like, just like, nah it's like three in the past two months or something like that it's absolutely insane how how like he comes in and he just completely changed as a pitcher like I, he was very shaky in april and the end of last year and i mean both of these guys chafin and and tapera are just looking great and and just giving up so little in terms of of base runners and then obviously what kimbreld's doing is uh I mean, I I almost feel like he's what did we see this guy like maybe early on in Boston? What like how many years ago in Boston did he look like this? It's this is a next level that I I honestly don't know if Cubs fans have seen this type of a reliever for a full season. I can't remember. Maybe, like no no not Marmol was too inconsistent. I I don't even know. Like it's it's been decades. It feels like. Well, this, by the way, this
0: statistically, this version of Kimbrell is as good as he was in his peak years in Atlanta okay. when he was a young guy who was just, everyone was like, what the hell is this yeah. guy doing? Yeah. That's how good he's been, statistically.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> and the reason I looked up, I was looking up <clears throat> Joe Smith and Tommy Hunter, just trying to rewind of what the Cubs yeah. had done at previous <laughs> trade deadlines. And like, these guys didn't really fit on the Cubs or make an immediate impact, but they've made a lot of money, pitched a lot of games since they left the Cubs, and that's not like, you know, they're thrown into a situation, guy either catches fire or he doesn't. Um, but I do think we've seen Ross and Hattavi, uh, and their staff have a pretty good handle, um, as we've talked about earlier, of, like, how to use guys and how to incorporate them quickly. And I think – I don't think – the idea of trading off their major league roster i don't think it's any of the guys they count on but i don't know it's like dylan maple is a guy that once he's healthy that someone will fall in love with his metrics and you know if the cubs aren't really pushing him in high leverage situations maybe that doesn't hurt that much and then even you know down this baseball reference rabbit hole i mean the cubs acquired dan harron in 2015, and it's kind of like we just need a back end guy. And you know, everyone remembers him when he was so good earlier in his career, so you think, Oh, with the Cubs, like he didn't do much. But would you take this right now? He 11 starts four and two with a 4.01 ERA, like he would be like a number two starter for the Cubs right now, like <laughs> and that it costs nothing. Uh, he knows what he's doing, he'll probably have uh, you know he could see when the wind was blowing out, he knew it would be a long day, but just having a guy with know-how and can kind of get through a lineup. Like the Cubs are dying for a guy just like this. So I know people, some of our commenters, some people on Twitter, you know, look at it like, you know, Oh, the Cubs shouldn't, you know, sell the farm. They shouldn't go all in. That would be stupid. It's like, no, there's lots of incremental moves that you can do to get better and protect yourself uh, for the second half of the season. It's not going to, Cost that much. um You know, it'll be the money that Crane Kenny says is going to be there. And, you know, just having like those two Marlins games show just how bad the rotation is. And just they, the Cubs have had for a team that's in first place when you look at April and some of this kind of June soon here, a lot of non competitive outings from their starting pitchers. If you could just get kind of a baseline, you know, league average slightly below league average starter like that would be amazing cuz i mean i think the last time i read inside of a story from new york i mean they're what like 27 28 29 in all of these categories in the league like if you could just get a little better than that it would go a long way for this team cuz they're so good in other areas
1: what and quickly you know who
0: it's going to be right what's that it's it's going to be john lester just <laughs> going to be john lester i'm just saying. definitely that's I'm putting yeah. that out there now cuz
1: so, fans like when Patrick talks about fans commenting and, and in our Twitter mentions, one of the things I keep hearing is who are they going to give up? Who do they have in their system? How are they going to make any move? What who have they had in their system the past four years? I mean, what I, that's they've managed to pull off deals every summer, and the it's been barren since the since the Quintana trade, they haven't had impact. Talent In that in that system for a while now, you don't need it. And, and the whole issue with this Cubs team for the past few years is they haven't been able to trade their own players because nobody gives up impact talent. So it works now in the Cubs favor because nobody gives up impact talent. You don't have to give up impact talent and you're not going after the best of the best. Like Patrick just said, just get someone that can give you five or six innings, and it leads to this dominant bullpen we're talking about. Don't burn them out because you're going four innings every time out. That's that is the whole point right here. Get through this season, get through the regular season, win the division, see if you, this bullpen, you can use it in the unique fashion and that you have Two, maybe three starters that can give you, you know, six plus in the playoffs, that would be great. Even if it's five, I think you can make it work in the postseason and be creative enough. Ross really seems to know and understand how to like how to handle his bullpen pretty well. He's he I, I know we can we can debate uh till we're blue in the face about if he pushes guys sometimes or or doesn't push them back. Whatever you want to say, certain starters. But I, I just think they're, it it's not going to cost that much. Uh, I mean, what did who did they give up? Uh, like, ask the random fan who they gave up for, uh, Cole Hamels or or Nick Castellanos. I mean, those guys impacted the team pretty significantly. You got to rely on your pro scouts and and the coaching staff to make sure that they get maximize these guys, whoever they acquire. But you can inqu- acquire a, a guy that impacts your team significantly at the deadline and give up very little it doesn't have to be max scherzer or or jose barrios or any of these big name pitchers that are exciting and would be nice to add and and someone like barrios or herman marquez someone that's going to be around for longer would would be great and pretty ideal for for the long run for this team beyond 2021 but just 2021 there's there's ways to do that without destroying a farm that they're trying to rebuild Yeah, miscellaneous note that popped to mind as you were saying that and as Mooney was mentioning
0: guys like Tommy Hunter and um, uh, Joe Smith. You know, uh, so those two, Cubs acquired for very little. They didn't actually impact the team that much that year but went on to continue to be very good. I was thinking about how, you know, the Cubs acquired Andrew Chafin last year at the deadline for basically nothing, and he did not impact the team really at all, injury issues and whatever. And then they were able to retain him, and obviously he's quite good. Um, and I also was thinking about, uh, Justin Wilson, who the Cubs acquired. Remember he, he arrived and was historically bad. Who knows what that switch was, but then he was fantastic. They had him the next year and he was, fa- he was nobody wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. Cause he, the, he was in some done. fans, minds, yeah, he'd already No, there was no bridge.
1: chance, but he yeah. was,
0: yeah, he was great. So clearly they also have sort of an eye for identifying the right cheap talent. And so you, you know, If there is some Jesse Chavez, right? Oh yeah, yeah, another like it's like fine. Go go ahead, man. How perfect would he be? Oh, Oh, that era, Jesse Chavez for this team. Oh my God, that's who they need. Well, that actually transitions me very nicely into the last thing that I wanted us to just hit on is that another swing guy type, Alec Mills. uh, Obviously, got the start yesterday and. Uh, he was fantastic both in the results and the performance in my view, uh, in large part because he has, uh, ramped up his reliance on his sinker to an extreme level this year. I mean, y- you'll recall something about Alec Mills that we really liked in previous years was he had four effective pitches. He could work in three different, uh, velocity bands and it was just, it was a really great mix, uh, Interesting thing happening with him this year. He has become uh, much more of just like an extreme sinker baller guy. His mix looks a lot more like a Kyle Hendricks or a Zach Davies, um, albeit with instead of uh, that heavy reliance on just the changeup as the secondary, he throws a really nice slider together with his changeup. And obviously everyone knows the slow curve that he does to get over for a strike sometimes. But uh, he got 70-something percent ground balls yesterday. Just he was absolutely punishing the bottom of the zone with the sinker, and the Marlins were biting. And um, it got me thinking about how um, not that you are going to view him as like, okay, finally the Cubs did add another starting pitcher. It just happened internally when Alec Mills got healthy, and they had a need, so they put him in the rotation. But in part, you don't want to sleep on the fact that this is a guy that we did want to see getting starts. You know, we knew it would happen one way or another, and it was reasonable and fair that he ended up the odd man out of the rotation when everybody's healthy. But since everyone's not, and he's back, I'm kind of stoked that he's going to get another start at least through this turn. Much in the same way we have wanted to see the Cubs pick up an innings eater before we get too close to the deadline and they got to make a decision on a bigger trade. It's kind of like, oh, it's good that they're going to get to see Mills a little bit um, for the same
1: reason. No, I think that's a good point that it was easy to forget just because I, I, I'm i trying to remember, like, how did – his season didn't start so well, right, this year. Like, he was – he came out of the bullpen a couple times and had some rough outings, and and I think we just kind of forget that he can be a solid – like, he does – when he's not right, he, he's going to get knocked around, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's a, like a lesser Kyle Hendricks version, right? If, if Hendricks isn't right, then, then it's just going to be a long day at the park uh i think mills is similar in that sense so we probably saw him when he was in 100% healthy and and was a little bit off and and now that he's come back yeah I, I think that that's definitely gone overlooked and and we can kind of wonder what's going on here how many innings can you get out of him quality starts and 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 what type of production can he provide i think if that that eases that could ease the pressure on the front office a bit. You still w- would like to see them go out and get two starters, right? Don't don't change the uh, the goal here, but it, it also eases the pressure a bit, I believe. And and he can he does look good if it, and uh, you got to say that the defense looks significantly better than it was early on. I I think that all hinges on Javi, and Javi is back to looking like a special shortstop. It was just. He just not that he wasn't making special plays there was just something off for you know and he wasn't 100% right we've talked about this he wasn't 100% healthy I think he's getting there even though he says the thumb you know he was straight up asked are you 100% healthy I think that was yesterday I'm losing track of days uh and and he he's like I'm not going to say I'm 100% the thumb's still there it's it's a thing but it's he's like I'm not like I'm not saying I'm like 80 or 90% I'm I'm better than that I'm close so that's, I think that's really good news. And, and we're pushing on July. These guys are all banged up in some way, everybody across baseball. So I, I think the combo of Mills, if this is real, if he can continue to like lean on that two seamer and give you five, six innings. And he even said, he's like, you know, obviously I want to go deep, but with this bullpen if i can go 5 or 6 innings and and the offense gives me enough that's the, that works that's a recipe for success now obviously you have to lean on others you have to hope hendricks can give you 6 plus every time out you have to hope that Alzali comes back and and is and is impactful tonight and beyond right so there's a lot of other factors but i think i think that's a good point to bring up that alex mills is here He's useful, and, and he can help this team and kind of be a shot in the arm in the sense like you don't need to trade for that guy. Hey, he does the same thing that we're, what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, you have to clip that. I, was, I, I should have just. I thought I you were the, the hardest of hard outs.
2: That's why I, I, well, like I know.
0: And then I know. And you did you did the kind thing. You were like, I'm not going to say anything because the clock. All right. You can leave maybe some of this in for hilarity, Michael. I don't know. Listen, it's the end of the show. We thank you very much for listening to Onto Waveland. Uh, we love doing this. We love that you listen. I had some very nice people in Chicago telling me that they appreciate the podcast this weekend. That was really cool. Uh, dig that. So thank you. I'm Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadif Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. Rate, review, subscribe. Love Onto Waveland. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your week.